In our 20s, people expect us to have things figured out. Us too. A well-paying job, getting closer to marriage, making new friends, and exploring the world. Lots of definitive moments happen in your 20s. But what if we move to the other side of the world? And what if we put our dreams first? I'm Mai. I'm Belle. And in this podcast, we share our thoughts about things that have defined our early 20s. Important moments in life and how we create our path to our late 20s. Welcome Welcome to the M22 Podcast. Hi, Chinese family. Welcome back to the I'm 22 podcast. Today, we have a very interesting conversation going on for you guys talking about music in general because we're both music students and that's kind of how we met each other, but also how music has helped us through our lives, through difficult times, and how you can also use music in times of need. How's your day today, Val? Well, my day always starts with music. I can't shower without music. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I need to feel everything is combined. Music color psychology and the way I'm feeling in the morning so obviously my day starts with taking a shower or like having breakfast or whatever even with reels or Instagram social media the music you usually listen to is the music that is around you so I guess that's the way I start my day and I wanted to talk also about like the type of music we listen to when I was young my mom was really into classic rock and my dad was more into regional Mexican music, which is something I don't like, but I enjoy sometimes listening that culture through him, even though I'm from there, but I don't listen to that type of music. So since classic rock and then I was exposed to pop music, which was what we talked about on our first episode, like Disney Channel type of music, Disney movies type of music and how the storytelling was developing there. So the more engaging the music is for me is when it's telling me a story because I can empathize directly through that. So I guess my day, every single time I started to listen to music, revolves around the storytelling and how I can combine that with my emotional stage and my daily life. That's super awesome. I think music has always been in my life, even just as like random sounds throughout the day, like when I hear birds chirp or when I go out on the streets and I hear vehicles and I hear people talking and laughing. For me, that's also music. Today, you're hearing a raspy version of mine because I'm not feeling super well. But for me, when people talk, each person also has a way of speaking, a way of, you know, saying a certain language and when I'm speaking Vietnamese or when I'm speaking Korean or whatever, it's very different to how I speak English in other languages. So I think if you pay attention to that, that could also be music. I don't usually shower with music just because I want to focus on feeling my body. But I always listen to music when I'm working out, when I'm on the way to school. Recently, I've started making it my habit to listen to a full album whenever I walk to school. So each day I listen to like two albums in its entirety because I have to walk to school and walk back. And that's been an incredible hobby for me. And in the evenings, I also listen to lo-fi music or, you know, on YouTube, they usually have those study with me videos where they just play music and someone's also on the other side, like studying with music. I've been trying to do that a lot more. And it's really nice to see those videos do well on YouTube because there's millions of people usually at the same time trying to study. And it's kind of crazy to see people also commenting on those YouTube sections and 
getting back into a routine after pandemic, studying with others. And then besides that, I also listen to different songs throughout the day and listen to my artists' music and helping them work on those products. So I think music has always been an important part of my life. But now more than ever, I listen to different types of music, not just music that has vocals, but also music that's, you know, non-vocals and ambience and paying attention to silence because silence is also music. My first question is, how has music helped you through your tough times ever since you started listening to music or being involved in music as a musician? When I was young and I started singing, I realized that even though sometimes I sang in English and I didn't know how to speak it, I felt like the music, the instrumental part should connect with the vibe I was feeling every single day when I wanted to sing. And then when I started to understand what I was singing, I realized if I was sad, I was into sad music. If I was like dancing, I needed to have something that build up the mood, you know, like so this part of empathizing with what you're listening and what you're surrounding is it's really important for me so yeah i started singing really really young and i used to stay on my grandma's house because my parents were working and i was so lucky to just being with my great-grandmother and i used to perform for her and she was like my biggest fan i was just three years old and i and i had the pleasure to stay around her so i started to see more about songwriting and i wanted to get into that but i was so young you know i i wanted to do it in english because i didn't want my family to understand what i was writing especially because for me i was introvert so music was my way to relate about what i was feeling and i never wanted to talk about feelings especially when i was going to something tough So I relied on music. So that's why I wanted to start songwriting because I felt like that was the way I could express myself. And just for me, notebook is for me. I can share it. You can read it. It's mine, you know. And I went to school in elementary school and I had it. And people were like, what are you writing? And I was like, nothing, you know, like it's mine. You, you can read this. So I started to, to work more and more on that because I wanted to like the first song. When you like your first song, you get more motivated and you start doing it more often. So I started to like my songs around 15 years. But at 11, I started to write songs when I lost my great grandmother. I felt like this was one of the most crucial and important parts in my life because she was my favorite person in the world. And... I didn't manage to say goodbye to her. And before they told me that she was gone, I felt her loss. And that was something that I couldn't express because I was 11 years old. But it was something that I had to do. I had to write her a song, you know. That was like my way of saying goodbye. And that was the way I understood that when something is so painful, you can turn it into art. And that's been something that I really, really liked. And not only because I did it for myself, but I knew that in the moment where I started to like what I was working on, I would feel sure that I could share it and then someone could relate to it. And that's like, that's the beauty of music. It's for you. And then when someone empathizes with you, I feel like that's a really, really nice feeling for you. What about you? Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate with how going through tough times like a breakup, a loss of a loved one or traumatic experience in your life and being able to use those emotions that don't come very often and putting that into a song, putting that into their creative work, whether that's obviously music writing or painting or creating sculptures or whatever that they're using their hands with and they're using their creativity with. Like some of the best songs come out when people are going through a heartbreak. Some of the best songs come out when those emotions first time 
time it hits them when someone passes away, when the whole world is in shambles, when the war happens. There are a lot of incredible music that's coming out from that period. And for me, when I first started music, I didn't really know that I I liked music. I was four, and my dad first took me to piano lessons. And the story about how he met my first piano teacher was very interesting because none of my parents are musicians or anyone in my family. They've always enjoyed music. My mom's an incredible singer. She's also my favorite person on the planet. But my dad, one day, he was, I guess, going to take his driver's license test, and he was sitting next to this woman, and he looked at her. And he's like, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" You know, like that's how my dad is. Sometimes he's just curious about other people, and she's like, "Oh, I'm like a piano teacher. Oh, that's cool. Like we don't have a piano at home, but maybe you can teach my kid piano." And that's how I found my first piano teacher, and she's been really instrumental in lots of moments in my life. She helped me get into the conservatory back in Vietnam after just going through a month of intensive training. Somehow I. Got into the school, and she also helped me with audition to college and a lot of important moments. So I got in because I guess my dad was just there at the right time to get me into things, and I stuck with music and with classical music because I just loved achieving new heights. Because when you first start, there are different levels to the repertoire you could play, and I wanted to see. How far I could go, and I've always really loved attending concerts. And I was amazed by how people can memorize so much music, by how complex things seem, and how people work so well together on stage as an ensemble. So I kept going with that, and when I entered competition, it was an incredible feeling as well because you're surrounded by incredible people, but also you get to see yourself better when you're surrounded by incredible talent like that. For me, when I go to competitions, obviously everyone wants to win a prize. But for me, it was about I wanted to see where I am in terms of how my skills are and how my performance skills and stage presence are in comparison with other people. And you never know if you're just staying back in the practice room. So I've always loved putting myself out there in the sense that I will try festivals, I will try competitions, or even just performances here and there. So that was how I kind of got to channel my curiosity and my inner competitiveness by just keep on going with classical music. And recently, I've kind of stopped that whole competition and competitive side of me, and I've switched more towards just feeling the different emotions I have. So the first time I really relied heavily on music was when I first went to the U.S. for college, and I was pretty much alone, seventeen years old. I flew by myself to Texas, and that was when I really needed a friend. And there weren't a lot of Vietnamese students or Asian students on campus at my school. It was a liberal arts college, private, and a lot of white students, a lot of upper class students, and so it was kind of lonely at first. And I relied a lot on Vietnamese music and music from the Asian culture to keep me rooted in that world. And then slowly, as I got used to the whole schooling system and having more friends. I started opening up like the music I listened to, and every time I went through a breakup, every time I went through a difficult moment at school, or someone passed away at home, or you know different things, I expanded my repertoire and expanded my listening to different things. So I listened to I have a whole playlist called like sad girl playlist that I listened to when I went through a breakup. I had a whole playlist that all the songs that my grandma used to listen to because she passed away, and I wanted to. Remember her, and I had a whole playlist for just random things that I find cool, like cool girl playlist, sleep playlist, main character playlist, and all those things. And I think all those playlists, now that I'm looking back at it, it's kind of built who I am today. Music and the different types of songs, different genres, different experiences that I've had has really helped me and kept me going in life. So that's how I would say it.
You also feel like talking about playlists and like laws and all these types of listening to music, but you as a performer, do you feel like when you're playing the piano, like physically, you're putting also part of this emotional stuff on your performance? How do you feel that's combining? So how do I channel my emotions when I'm actually... Yeah, like your body language when you're playing. Yeah, I think body language is really important for every performer. Obviously, it's much different when you're like a singer or you're yeah. a band. That's where you have to express yourself more. You have more individuality versus when you're sitting down in the classical realm. But there is still a lot to do when you're sitting down. There's still a lot to express when all they see is the side of your face and your profile. Usually people think, oh, pianists have to sit straight. But there's also different distances that you can keep with the piano. There are different heights to your seat. There are different ways of moving your body. And to be honest, when I first started or up until I was in middle school, I was really, really stiff. One of my professors, I don't know why, but like she was always like, my, you should dance or something. So every time I had my lesson, she would just hold my shoulders and she would shake me. She's <laughs> like, I transformed from someone who would just sit really stiff because I was just focusing on getting the right notes, getting the right tempo and beat to someone who was on the extreme side of the other end of things, like moving too much. And then until high school, I figured out a good medium in between where I could fully be in the music. I could move my upper body. I could move my legs. I could even like sometimes when you're playing loud chords or you're trying to put energy into something, you can jump from your seat. So there are different ways that classical musicians, I think, even though they're just sitting down, they're actually doing a lot in terms of translating their body movements in terms of the energy that they put into a phrase, into how they play that gives the audience the exact effect that they want. So there's also a lot of ways. And then when I'm playing more as a session player, I get to jam a little more. I get to be more into the music. It really depends on the type and the style, right? I feel like you do that a lot too. Yeah, because it's important for me to know these things because I think when we listen to music, we can empathize more in the way we do it. But as performers or as when you are like doing music in piano and I'm working on songwriting, it's like a different way to empathize with your feelings. I was thinking before like recording this podcast about the stages we go to make pain into something meaningful. So I was thinking that maybe the stage one is like when creativity comes from emptiness. And I'm going to talk again about loss because I feel like in my story, loss is my lowest point. Like you're never prepared for that. And it's even though like, for example, it was my great grandmother and she was old. Like it's a different type of loss. But losing a close friend, a young person, it's also a different type of feelings. So for me, even as you said, also like breakups and, you know, like when you're struggling through something in your family or with your friends, the feeling you got at your lowest point is emptiness. And putting that into something creative is tough because sometimes I just remember like myself a little younger when I songwrite, when I'm connecting like really to my emotions, I sit it on my piano in my room, even if I was in tears and I could build a song at the same time. I just fell in a chord and start singing something on top. So I did this at the same time. And that was the moment I felt more connected to myself because it was in a musical and like emotional and physical way. So when you're empty, I just remember me going back to the piano in tears and starting singing and how empty I felt even after a breakup or even after a loss. I don't have that now. So it's even tough. Um, I'll talk about that a little later. But then You want to describe the moment. You're capturing it in a song. You're capturing it in your music. And that's something that I call art. Because even if it's just your feeling, making something beautiful out of it, even if it's beautiful in your own definition, because it's something like subjective, even talking about music, 
it's just such a huge step. Not all the people are able to do that. I wish we all tried because, you know, when we go through pain, there are many outcomes like doing something nice, doing something bad. We never know. And then the last stage is making an analysis of what you've done and shaping your work, which is almost getting into the outcome. That would be like the way I structure myself in making a song. And it's just to stay connected to yourself. So I feel like music is really something I rely on. And since really young, I understood that I want to stick to it. I never knew in which way I thought I was going to be a singer if I just worked out all my music. Like, But I wanted to also work with artists because as I was going through something, I wanted to learn from others and how to give a message to the world and have a legacy later when you're gone. You know, because that's something that's really important for me. And after loss, you understand that because you see the legacy other people leave on your surroundings. And that's something beautiful. So now that I'm also like part-time singer-songwriter and I'm full-time student at Berkeley, I'm going to say I'm here in the name of four people I lost in my past. And that's something that I also called uh, something that comes from pain, but I'm offering it. So it's something that I'm making beautiful in the name of someone else. And that's my way of transforming my emotional pain into art. What about you? What else can you tell us about your history? Emotional pain. I'm coughing every five seconds here, guys. <laughs> but even like when you're going through sickness, I think music helps a lot or when you're lonely, but also when you're you're feeling too many emotions, you know, the yeah. feeling of being overwhelmed with work, with school, with life and with yourself and when you're lost. So it's not just when I'm I'm feeling empty. Obviously, when I'm sad, when I don't know what to do, that's when I lean to art. But when I'm also just overwhelmed and I'm too agitated overall, I also lean into music. I go to the piano and I would play this tune. And I remember one of my favorite tunes is from Rachmaninoff's second concerto. It's the second movement. And it's an incredible tune for me because whenever I play it, And it's the same for all songs, not just classical music. Every time I hear it, I'm a different person. Every moment is different when you're listening to a song. And whenever you go through, say you're listening to a piece of music and you're going through a breakup, it will feel different from when you're listening to it when you're not going through a breakup. So the second movement of Rock 2 was important for me because when I... And also the whole piece in general has always been my dream piece ever since I was little. And I don't know why. I got to play it for the first time a few years ago, pre-pandemic, preparing for this piano competition. And then pandemic hit, so I never got to perform it or, you know, compete with it. And two years later, I was not going to do it. But then I decided to enroll in the competition and make performing it. And the moment that I got to play that piece, it just felt very different, even though it was the same piece that I've always been dreaming of. And then the same piece that I practiced two years before, that moment felt very different because I've changed so much and I've grown so much with that piece of music to the point that it was really overwhelming for me when I got to finally play it in public in front of the audience and having that dream kind of baked and half baked and burned and then now rebuilt again was an experience that I thought that was incredible for me to have. And then you said about how music helps capture the moment. I think it's really important for singer-songwriters and anyone who's a musician, but also for people who don't really have the skills or don't really know how to write songs. It's also important for them to capture their moment through a song. Because sometimes when you're listening to music and the song just hits you, 
And you remember that song and that's the moment that the song makes sense for you. And you're related. And you relate it to it because before you're like, oh, this person has been talking about the loss of someone. But I've never gone through that loss. I don't really resonate with it. But then when you actually go through it, you're like, this person just saying every single thing that I want to say in a song form. It's exactly what I want. And that moment in that song becomes really special for you. And then the next step that you say is analysis and shaping the work is important because a work usually evolves when you're writing a song. I think it's easy for people to have a song and write it down and be over. But then sometimes it's like you write a song and then you don't really make it public. You don't really finish it. You come back and revisit it two, three years later and you will see that song in a new light. You will change the lyrics like you with your song last semester. So music is always evolving and your song can always change and you can make different versions of it later on because it will reflect how you have changed as a person and how you know the society has changed how your environment has changed. So I think the idea of music helping us when we're feeling down, helping us when we're feeling overwhelmed and helping us realize that we've grown as a person is an idea that we should allow to grow. Yeah, I want to go back in the songwriting part because I think like it's hard to understand and I feel like I empathize with huge songwriters like the position like artist because I know how it's the process for me but many people just don't understand that and like when you write a song about a breakup oh it's just another song about a breakup no it's not like she's going through something painful and she's just trying to express it like you know So I wanted to say and I wanted to talk a little bit about my music too because I feel like the songs I released last year are songs I wrote since I was 15 years and it was something special for me changing the lyrics. I actually did this with more than three songs because I feel like my matureness and like you grow up and you go to different stuff so it's a different point of view as you were saying that's really important. And that's something really beautiful to see also like on yourself. So I remember I had a relationship and he couldn't understand if the song I wrote was related to a moment with someone else. He thought that was going to be like forever. And I was like, no, you write a song at that age because you're in love with someone or whatever, like any situation. After a couple of years, that song has a different meaning because it's not about the person. It's about your feelings and your story with that person with that situation with that context but it's still how you're feeling so i actually want to talk about a specific song i wrote running out of time which is something that i feel every single year the year is about to end i feel like this rush of do i have something to solve do i have something to say before the year ends it's just a, a pressure i put to myself you know so i feel like i go to this moment every single year And I wrote that song in 2016 because I wanted to hear that someone, I was dating someone and that he made the decision to take the next step and he didn't. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to wait any longer. But then I'm not going to wait any longer for me to say something before the year ends, you know, like, so it's just making another meaning to your art. And that's something that sometimes it's hard to understand. I see it with Taylor Swift. I'm going to talk to her because she's the one that has her life more exposed, I think. But like a song she wrote to song John Mayer like a couple of years ago. It's not still about him, you know, like I'm sure she gave a different meaning to it. And that's why she keeps singing to it. And that's how an artist as a performer also relate to her or his own songs in the future, because he's giving a meaning that it's something from now, not about 10 years ago. And that's something that I think it's important to share about the industry, too. I think you will always take a piece of every single person you meet in your life with you. Whether that's an acquaintance, whether that's like an interaction at a coffee shop or someone you've dated for a long time, a family member, 
you will always take a part of them with you to tomorrow, to the next day, and until the rest of your life. I mean, with Taylor Swift, she's obviously had a very long dating history and she's made a lot of incredible songs out of it as well as like other musicians. But her new lover should not be jealous of the fact that she made an incredible song about her previous lover. Like that doesn't make sense because it was art and it was her capturing that moment. If anything, it should motivate him to go back and reflect on a lot of things. Like, why didn't he also write a song out of this? Why didn't he also create art out of this? So I think especially for people who are going through tough times and going through a lot of changes, it's important to capture the things down in any form, not just music. It can be journaling. It can be, for me, sometimes I find it very therapeutic to write memos to myself because I don't like writing letters and like stuff like that but I like talking and I like putting thoughts in my head out there somehow and so I've gone into this habit of recording voice memos at night to a recent ex that I had I didn't want to send him like this long long message but I wanted to think through all the things that I want to say and so I spoke into the voice memo and I've always kept it on my phone and I just never sent it If I feel like it's the right time, I will send it. But it's also just an outlet for me. Like I'm still able to, in a way, address to the person. But whether I want to send it or not, I will have to think very carefully about. And it's also a good way for a lot of you guys to maybe consider is not to send people the first reaction that you have. If you're angry, like not just send them like, hey, I'm angry. I hate you so much, this and this and this. But maybe think through it, find a way to let those feelings out, let those thoughts out. And then when you're in like a calmer state of mind, go through it again. If that is still what you want to say to the person, that is still the message that you're wanting to send, then send it. It's like the thing where you're carving things on a rock, you can't uncarve it, but you're writing things on the sand, the wind will blow it away. And if you still want to write it, then you can still write it, you know. So it's the idea of don't let the emotions and the feelings take you away and do things that you probably want to undo in the future when you're looking back. Talking about the way you spoke about like the reactions and like the instant reactions and sending them to the person. It's been really hard for me because I feel like the more I grow up, I am more direct and I try to when it's something like emotional as a breakup what I used to do was like not a boy's memo but like okay I wrote this song and I would kind of screw the day for the other person and just send it and this is how I feel. I had to do it because I you know like it's not only about just expressing it on your music it's also about like this is a way you can understand me because you're not listening to me but you maybe will listen to the song you know. (laughs) So it's just a funny way to empathize and understand another person's mind through music. Even though the context you are, like as a listener, we're listening to artists are positioned. And as you said, even though it's a different context, you have your own history and you have your own context in your mind and you can just combine them and relate them. That's something that is the best part of music for me. What about the time practicing? Because you're a pianist, you went into a conservatory and I feel like that's something that's really tricked in the industry that you've been through. So can you talk about that a little bit? There's this myth about like, you know, you need to practice eight hours a day for every craft and then you need a thousand hours to master something. That's a good thing that you're putting in a lot of hours, but then it really depends on sometimes it's luck. Sometimes it's, you know, some people are just born as geniuses like Mozart or Bach. They're just born that way. And some people work hard and it pays off. But a lot of the times it doesn't. Like for me, music was just something that happened to work out for me. And it's something that maybe I had a little bit of something in there. But it was also a lot of luck, a lot of grind. And I was not always really good at music or really good at performing. 
I still don't think I'm the best at performing, but I am a much better performer now than I first started for sure. And I think the thing about 10,000 hours, eight hours a day, the key is consistency. If you're not consistent with whatever you do, whether that's music, that's cooking, reading, running, working out, or consistency in talking to people in your relationships. It's and discipline too, I think. Yeah, it's discipline as well. So that's really the key when you're trying to do anything. And obviously, it's really tough in the classical realm in general because there's such high standards and there's not a whole lot of wiggle room when you're performing for error and stylistically there are certain ways that you should perform certain pieces but then recently there are also the 20th century 21st century genres where there's no set way to write music you know people are writing music like math like you can see matrices in in music the notes are numbered and there's serialism, there's so many different things that doesn't matter anymore when you're talking about a set structure. But still, even when you're doing such freestyle improv, you need to practice. You need to have your background in check. You need to know your chords. You need to be able to understand or be able to read sheet music to read keys and things like that. So the practice that you put in might not necessarily be the exact thing that you're doing on stage. But it will help you so when situations come up on stage, in jam sessions, in improv, in just whatever scenarios, that you can just have that asset in the back of your pocket because that stems from all the hours you've practiced, all the training, all the different things you've read and learned. So I think that's how I would approach the idea of 10,000 hours. It's more about consistency and finding the right means for you and then also focusing your energy on what you do well. I have 10 different things that I'm interested in. But after a certain period, I call the trial period. Usually for me, it's like two, three months. I figure out like this is not what I should be doing. Like, I don't really like this or on a scale of one to 10, I rate it. And then if something is higher on my list, I try to put more effort into that. And I slowly drop the things that I maybe have an interest in. But there are other people who are much better at that than me. And I would rather have them do that and do a good job and support them. Then for me to do a subpar job and continue with it and then focus my energy on something that I see myself growing. I see myself growing fast in it and also something that I'm still relatively interested in. So it's about balancing what I want, my interest, and also balancing the number of hours I want to put into something. And choosing your fights. I think that that's like what engloves what you were saying. Yeah, I feel like I've never taken into account the amount of hours I put into something because it's not relevant for me. It's like I can see if I'm doing better or not. I haven't performed that much in live my music because I was just doing that before coming here. But I feel like every time I did it, I did it better because I was learning from the past ones. And also like finding a way to connect with people, not only through the music, but like people love gossip. So I just give the background of my music and then before singing it, they're going to connect first with the emotion I'm going to share. And then, oh, that's the storyline. And so they understand and that's something really, really nice. And I feel like you've gone through a lot of discipline stuff because being in a conservatory is not easy. It requires a lot of discipline. It requires consistency and it requires sacrifices, which is something that we'll talk about later in another episode. But well, we're only 20, so we need to keep it up. And guys, just to remember you to follow us on our social media, 22.live. And also, if you want to talk about a different topic, send us an email, info at 22.live. I hope you've been enjoying all these episodes. We are really excited. This is our third one and we have so much coming next. So thank you for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in and hope you have an incredible week putting in as much effort into whatever you're doing and shining in all those things and see you guys next time bye